Hello and welcome to another episode of History of Westeros Podcast, a podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series, as well as HBO's Game of Thrones. Today's episode, however, covers The Winds of Winter, specifically a spoiler chapter released just yesterday. Uh, I know, us an episode out the day after the <laughs> release, it's, it's incredible. How did we but do that? This is your warning. If you're listening or watching and somehow the title didn't turn you off, please turn this off if you haven't read the spoiler chapter or if you otherwise do not want to be spoiled. Please turn this off. Remember, this chapter is actually posted right now on George's site. It took the place of the Ariane, Ariane chapter. I was thinking about not saying the name. <laughs> you should have gotten out of here if you care that <laughs> they much. They know, yeah. By now, they know. So that that was the chapter that was posted before that. It was the Theon chapter. So this is the third chapter that was uh, that was rotated in there. Mm-hmm. And the fifth total chapter that's been released, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting in yes. itself. Yeah, it is interesting because... Uh, According to Tower of the Hand, has a list of the sample chapters for um, A Dance with Dragons that were re- that were actually released. And while it could be maybe like one chapter out of date, uh, probably not. Uh, four were released. Four officially released, not counting the ones read or you know. So that means whatnot. there's more Winds of Winter yeah. chapters released than there were for Dance with Dragons. So. I don't know what this means for a release date, but it, yeah, it's, it's promising. It, it doesn't promising. necessarily it mean much. It makes me a little much. bit more hopeful for a 2015 date, basically. Yeah, it doesn't mean a lot uh, necessarily. It could just be more chapters from the Winds of Winter, more sample chapters, but yeah. uh, who knows. But I'm happy that we have more. Uh, and we know that this chapter was written a long time ago. It was mm-hmm. as far back as 2001. Mm-hmm. It's been revised and rewritten, and some changes have been made, so it's gone through a lot of... Uh, say growth we'll say mm-hmm. and uh, but George is really proud of it and we thought it was awesome the general reaction to the chapter has been overwhelmingly positive for the most part we're seeing people name it as their favorite of the five pre-release chapters so far with the Theon chapter probably being close to its level if not uh slightly less mm-hmm. in terms of how well it's been received so mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that is because Arya is just one of the most yeah. popular characters, arguably yeah. the most popular character. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly out of the characters who've had chapters released, the only competition really there is Tyrion because yeah. no one calls Barristan their favorite <laughs> character, really, not compared to Arya. Like, I like Barristan a lot, but mm-hmm. I don't put him on the level of Arya or Tyrion. <laughs> and the same goes for Arianne. I mean, she yeah. was... She's sort of a newish character. Yeah. Like, how can, you know, we haven't had a... We bonded with Arya since she's been a little Personally, girl. Personally, the Arya chapter <laughs> was my favorite. Uh, oh, okay. But that's go. just because I, I, I liked that we met one of the new Sand Snake, one of the others, uh, not, yeah, uh, one of her uh, little cousins. Yeah, Laria and, uh, Sand there, yeah. Elia Sand. Oh, Elia Sand. I'm Lady sorry. Lance. her mother, right. Lady Lance, <laughs> I like that. And, yeah, I just, uh, I like Arya and stuff a lot. This one was, this one was really dark. Um, really dark. Really dark. And I had some issues with it for that reason, and that and I felt it could have been approached differently. Um, I, that's that, also why it's talked about so yeah, much. Yeah, that's why it's talked yeah. about so much. Besides already being so popular, it's a controversial chapter. So uh, I have mixed feelings on it. I, I'd say this is a, this is maybe the one that I was the most ex- excited about uh, when I was like, oh, it's an... But then once I read it, I was like, I don't like love this chapter, if it makes sense. I was really excited for Arya, though. Right. Uh, but anyways, let's get right into it. We're going to go into it. Um... Basically, roughly in chronological order as we go through the uh, chapter, if you want to have the chapter open as we're going through it, that might be helpful to you. We will have some quotes. uh, And yeah, we're going to get right into it. We're going to also reference a few things from the previous books, try to tie some things together. But you know that. We always do that. (laughs) Yeah, do not watch this if you haven't 
read the books. <laughs> Final warning. Now, uh, the chapter starts with the title Mercy. Now, mm-hmm. Mercy. And a picture of the Titan of Bravos. So right away, we pretty much knew this was about Arya yeah. because of the picture of the Titan of Bravos. But if somehow that didn't clue you in, <laughs> the wolf dream and the notion of, of uh, running by a tree and all mm-hmm. these things, there's a lot of clues right away. And of course, who else is in Bravos that we know of? George told us, not personally, <laughs> but told us all that there wouldn't be any more point of view chapters as far as new characters yeah. in he uh, did, in he the did put Winter. the disclaimer that maybe he's wrong. He did put that in there. He's not, so so tell him to keep himself to that. But, but if he did do something like yeah. that, I don't think he would reveal it to us in a spoiler chapter. I think that yeah. would be a surprise for when the book actually is released. We go, oh, like kind of how it was with Melisandre. Of course, technically Melisandre we knew about before the book came out, but I, I don't think a lot of people knew that. Um, and it was released pretty late. You know, six years of waiting for Dance of Dragons and the Melisandre news came out within the last like several months or so. So, anyway, that's a bit of a tangent. Let's let's get into this chapter yeah. in earnest. So, as he said, though, Tree is watching her. What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? It, it seems like it's Bran clearly watching. Yeah. Uh, does clearly that mean Bran. he's watching? It's what I took from that is that he's watching her through his through the dream. There's sort mm-hmm. of con- dream connection there. Yes. What I don't know is whether or not this is some sort of conscious thing that Bran is doing, whether he's trying to reach out to her Mm -hmm. or whether there's just some connection there because they're siblings, they're both wargs, and Arya just senses this. It's it's unclear how much of this is... Oh, we certainly have the other dream, uh, uh, John's dream, where uh, they show one of his brothers was a tree or something to that effect. Right, and that's in The Clash of Kings. Bran specifically talks to John intentionally. So there's a good chance, a very good point, there's a good chance that that Bran is doing this on purpose. He's trying to reach Arya. Yeah. And uh, apparently he can reach overseas. <laughs> Another thing is that she's running through a great pine forest. Um, pine trees that mean that it's more likely that these wolves have migrated slightly farther north to above the neck. Uh, yeah, that, that's very interesting. The pine, a pine tree is typically a cold weather tree. so would certainly mean uh, the, there are more werewoods up north. You know, in the south, uh, Bran might not necessarily have a view of them. Uh, he can see beyond the trees, or he will be able to see beyond the trees, but we're not sure how. That's a that's a good point. Will be able to, Blood Raven tells Bran that he yeah. will be able to see beyond the trees once his gifts are opened up. But, as we'll see, several clues in this chapter indicate that a good bit of time has passed since the end of Dance with Dragons. Uh, yeah. Mostly we're connecting some of the events in the epilogue to what's happening in this chapter because there's a character in the epilogue who appears in Bravo. So clearly enough time has passed for this person to travel and it also sounds like he's been there for a while. Also sounds like Arya's been doing this job as Mer- she's been Mercy for a while. Uh, yeah. so we'll we'll get into that. So yeah, let's we'll let's let's that. get let's let's move on here. Yeah. So she's Mercy by day, but mm-hmm. at night she's reminded of who her true self is. That's important. Faceless men are supposed to be becoming no one yeah. gradually, but she there's too much pulling her towards her old self. She's mm-hmm. got Bran maybe doing this, and she's got her own wolf dreams mm-hmm. reminding her who she is. But we're also going to see in this chapter, despite these things pulling her towards her old self, all these clues are going to happen. These things that we're going to rem- that could remind her mm-hmm. of her old she life. She does a remarkable job at not breaking. She doesn't until until some we'll get until to something, that. We'll, we'll until get something to finally that. snaps her out of it, and I think you guys but know what that is. But we'll get to that. The episode since we're starts do this chronologically. With the episode starts right off within a few paragraphs with her talking about how she she has to get to, to her rape and murder. Yeah, She's like, what? She's going to be raped and <laughs> You're like, what? You like, scroll down. You're like, what's going on? How does this end? <laughs> Is that something you <laughs> schedule? What are you yeah. talking about? What's going on? And then you quickly 
fine. She's going to she's going to uh, do be in a play. She's going to be raped and murdered in the play. And during that, uh, I'm not sure how many paragraphs after that. It's pretty quickly we find out that the Titan is a a clock. Mm-hmm. They they use it as a clock. It makes a roaring sound. Yeah. Four by the Titans. Roar. Sometime number of times per day. Yeah, we're not sure. We're not sure. I'm, I, I, they probably have other ways of telling time there, but maybe that is their own. Think way. of it like a fancy bell. Yeah, you know, people ring bells yeah. in in a medieval yeah. society. Often yeah. you ring a bell to kind of indicate this. It's noon or yeah, it's time to go yeah. to church or something. This is probably yeah. similar to that. But you know, hour hour of the wolf, which is what they have in Westerners. They have hour of the wolf, hour of the owl, you know, etc. Right. There will be a couple of interesting cultural differences we notice from this chapter mm-hmm. as we learn more about Bravos. And some of the other free cities, we start to be able to paint a picture of the cultural differences there versus mm-hmm. Westeros. And that's interesting because there's a lot of trade between these two cities, especially mm-hmm. Bravos, which is a, is a, a major sea power. So, of course, they're going to do a lot of trading with King's Landing. And, of course, we already know there's a lot of commerce between the two in terms of the Iron Bank mm-hmm. dealing with the crown and loaning them gold and now loaning them money to Stannis, which we're going to get into how important huh. that is. That whole picture has shifted a bit. Yeah. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have a... Uh... Pretty quickly after that, when we find out that, okay, she's going to a play, she's going to a play, we find out there's been other plays, there's been, uh, one of them has a kind of interesting title, The Merchant's Melancholy Daughter. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, but that raised, uh, th- that just kind of reminded us, us of Sansa, of Elaine Stone. Why, you ask? Because Elaine Stone is meant to be the daughter of a Bravosi merchant. She's melancholy, little fingers, sigil is the titan of Bravos, so there's that connection there. So, uh, what, what, is, what, what happens in this play, though? Let's, uh, does it mean anything for the Well, finger? here's another good example of Westeros and uh, free cities slash Bravosi culture mingling. This whole play is the subject of events that took place in Westeros. The subject of this play is Tyrion Lannister. Oh, no, but the, we forgot about the, uh, the merchant's melancholy daughter. Oh, I'm sorry. We're talking about that. Well, uh, yes, that's true. That is true. Which is not, it is not about Westeros. It is about a sea lord having something very terrible happen to him. Yes, now the sea lord having (laughs) shit dumped on his head, we shall say. Yeah, that's that's basically it. That's the one, that's the story that Mercy prefers. uh, She likes that story. Yeah, she likes that, uh, which is funny to me. And I like to uh, think about if it's uh, an allusion to uh, Littlefinger, if that means Littlefinger is going to, you know... Uh, have something bad happen to him? I don't know. Maybe, I hope so. Uh, he might be the Titan shitting on other people. Oh, <laughs> that is true. No, it was the, the fat merchant. Oh, the fat merchant shits yeah. on the Titan. Okay, yeah. well, then it looks like uh, Littlefinger needs to watch out. Yeah. Well, needs to look up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, sure. yeah, so it does Wyman sound like something. Wyman Manderley. <laughs> Wyman Manderley is the. Bringing out Rickon shits on all of his plans. Or, yeah, that's a good point because right. um, that's a very good point because it's it's Arya, uh, the fake Arya, who is part of Littlefinger's plans. He's yeah. the one who, who knows yeah. that it's a fake Arya and he can say, ah, I've got Sansa who's in front of Arya anyway, <laughs> but Rickon's in front of Sansa. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that could be it. And it could also be, I suppose, the other. The only other fat man that that's super yeah. relevant would be Illyrio. Um, huh? I suppose that's Illyrio. Sh- maybe he maybe he will. Uh, Aegon coming there will ruin Littlefinger's plans. That's I don't true. know. true. Or Littlefinger could blow with the political winds and somehow mm-hmm. join up with Aegon's faction. You never know. We, we, we don't just. It sounds kind of random that we would think of that, but specifically, uh, there's a ship that Arya takes to Bravos called the Titan's Daughter. Elaine Stone is the Titan's daughter. 
So that is the sigil of that, House yeah. Baelish is the Titan, even oh, though geez. he, even though Peter can, uh, has sort of hidden that by using the Mockingbird for his mm. own personal sigil. There's also uh, this one. I'm not. I, I think it's for sure. I'm, I think this one's on purpose, but I'm not for sure. Is that Arya goes by Cat? Elaine goes by Elaine. Cat Elaine, like Catelyn. It's kind of similar. So, anyways, those, those little like similarities and things uh, connecting Arya and Sansa's storylines are something we try to look for a lot, or at least I definitely do. And there are more in this chapter that oh, yes. that, that make you think of Sansa. Like may, maybe it isn't Sansa, as well. Maybe we'll, we'll uh, decide upon, and maybe it's not Sansa. But it definitely may, is meant to make us think of Sansa. This chapter, in general, I think, is just chock full of parallels it is yeah, it is so leveled meta. leveled level level yeah, yeah, yeah meta it's fully it's incredibly yeah. meta there's so much yeah. that refers to something else mm-hmm. and the something else is refer to other things it's just it's it's amazing this is one of the reasons why this chapter was so well received is is the the, the details yeah. and the subtlety and the levels it's yeah. it's great it's yeah. really getting a lot of get, getting us even more not that we weren't really excited for the winds of winter but <laughs> wow this is just can't wait. Uh, but uh, that that one story says the Sea Lord was shot on. Uh, it kind of implies that the Sea Lord isn't quite as lofty as a king or a triarch. Who, right. They don't even touch the ground. This is one of the great examples. Yeah, the triarchs <laughs> yeah. don't even touch the ground. Their feet aren't allowed by law. The, the triarchs of Volantis, their feet aren't allowed <laughs> to touch the ground the whole year they're in office. Contrast to this where... A sea lord watching this play of a sea lord having uh, shit dumped on his head is something that apparently the sea lord would laugh along with the crowd at. Whereas in Westeros, if you did something like that to the king, contrast what happened in Dunkin' Egg series when the tup- the puppet master was was slightly <laughs> insulting House Targaryen, very slightly. And then the same thing happens in King's Landing and Cersei's time where there's puppets showing dragons <laughs> eating lions and, and Cersei even wanted uh, her Master of Whispers, Kyburn, to dock half the wealth of any man that attended this play. Yeah. <laughs> so contrast losing half your wealth or just attending a play to the, the subject of a play yeah. being something that people can laugh at together. Yeah. So that's a huge cultural difference. And, of course, part of that is if you think about the roots of Bravos and how it was founded. It was founded by escaped slaves. It's a city yeah. that respects all religions. So it just kind of fits in with the way, just kind of Bravos's attitude of being yeah. a melting pot and of, of people being more equal. All men must mm-hmm. die. All men must serve. Mm-hmm. It's not like things are different for kings. Even kings mm-hmm. die. Even princes die. So mm-hmm. it's just a general attitude that we see in Bravos, and it's something mm-hmm. that's kind of cool to point out and give George a lot of credit for. Keyholders are a, a, a rank that we hear mentioned as an important group of people that are going to be at the play. There's apparently five of them, I believe. Yeah. And that's apparently this is good for the play that these people are here. It shows that there's some people of, of importance there. And, of course, the main person of importance there is Harry Swift, but we'll get to him in a minute. So what we have is with the key holders, they're apparently a similar rank to justiciar. Um, not the equivalent of a justiciar, but an equivalent sort of uh, civic rank. So uh, that's clearly important and is good for the people that they're there. Mm-hmm. Now, Arya herself... When she is getting ready for the play, she takes an iron key with her. I don't. We don't think there's a relationship between the key she takes and this key holder concept slash title because it sounds like a. Uh, it's a title. It doesn't mean yeah. that they literally hold keys. They, yeah, I think it's a callback to that. That was a position created when Bravos was a secret city, and having a key to the city could have been a big deal. Right. But not so much anymore. I don't think. Yeah. So well, I think it's still pretty big, but. 
It's big, but it doesn't necessarily literally refer to keys anyway. Or And if it does, we don't know. It's something we'll probably find out more about if it's important. Yeah. Um, but what is what is perhaps more important is the notion of who is running the play. Now, this character is named Eisenbarrow. We were mm-hmm. introduced to Eisenbarrow last book with just the barest of mention. What we were told is that Arya was going to have her first apprenticeship with mm-hmm. Eisenbarrow. The kindly man says that she's going to be sent to him. That caused a lot of speculation. What is Eisenbarrow? Is it a person, place? Is it a, is it a faceless man? A different yeah. faceless man for training? But really it's more like what, it, what she was doing with Brusco, where she was cat of the canals. She's just learning to do things that will help her become a, a, just a more, effective Certainly man. more useful to her, the, uh, the mummer's tricks. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a lot more important than learning how to sell clams, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was more about being taught humility and, and learning to, to learn the Bravosi language and learning cultures and customs and all that. This is a lot more advanced as far mm-hmm. as her training goes. And it's specifically her first apprenticeship, not whereas the Brusco yeah. thing wasn't an apprenticeship. Yes. This is more learning real skills, more valuable things. Things are going to have a lot bigger impact in the greater story. But the King of the Mummers, that's Eisenborough, that's his nickname. Yeah. This character was actually created by George back in 2001. He was yeah. referenced uh, in a couple conversations that were recorded, um, not recorded literally, but were taken down, notes were taken down on him, in one of the Sospake Martin collections. Mm-hmm. So what this tells us is that this scene was written before the five-year gap was scrapped, which might mean, in fact, it likely means that this scene was originally intended for uh, an an Arya who was older, for maybe a 17 or 16-year-old Arya. You can see it would would make a lot more sense with the sexual content. Um, Yeah, as I think I said before, I definitely think that that, um, with the removal of the five-year gap, Arya shouldn't be a, a femme fatale type of character who takes men into alleys. Um, that's me, and, uh, you know, she is, at least she isn't, like, under 10. <laughs> but uh, and maybe that's just me being more, like, she certainly has killed people before, and that's also just very, very dark, but I wasn't happy with that either. Um, I would have actually thought it was pretty cool if it was, like, 16, 17-year-old Arya femme fatale, like, luring men, killing them. I think that's pretty awesome. I would have liked that, but... Cool. Not such a fan in a 12-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old. Yeah, it's hard for us to get away from our own notions of, yeah. of, of what a 12-year-old girl is. Of course, Arya is certainly more adult than most 12-year-olds would be. She's certainly, certainly lived not through glor- a lot It's certainly more. not meant to be glorifying these types of actions. So it's certainly not glorifying it, but it is, yeah. it is pointing, like a lot of things George does. George has been accused of a lot of things that I don't think he deserved. Uh-huh. He's been accused of misogyny, and of this is certainly going to get some new accusations. Mm-hmm. A new round of accusations, I would think, is coming because of this. But really what he's doing, I think, is he's just showing you the ugliness in the world. He's not saying this is a good thing. He's not saying, look at this, this is awesome that Arya, yeah. this young girl, is doing these sexual things. A lot of people things. reacted with, this is awesome, but... Well, well uh, they, yeah. I don't think they thought that part was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe some of them did. Some people did, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, they just thought the chapter was awesome. But maybe some of them thought it was awesome for that reason, which, you know, that is creepy. <laughs> but... But but what I was saying is that our, this is not something that George thinks is is something that he's trying to glorify. It's just this is reality. This is this is something that happens in the real world now. There's young women that are being basically forced into sex slavery in the modern time. In 2014, this still happens. I don't think George is trying to send some political message like, you know, he's not making some big political statement. But he is reflecting reality, something that he, he frank frequently mm-hmm. does. 
And I, this isn't a departure from that. It's just a little darker. And it's, it's happening to a character that we all have a lot of emotion wrapped up to. Like we talked about earlier with Theon. Some of the stuff that happened to Theon is arguably worse yes. than this. Yes. But we don't like Theon. <laughs> we thought he deserved these things. Theon, we didn't know Theon as a little boy or a little girl. We also, uh, there's also uh, the difference between uh, the control they have over the situation and that Arya has more control than Theon has over what has happened to him and what's happening to him. Whereas Arya is making a choice to do this. Uh, of course, there are other circumstances in that maybe she doesn't really see, she's depressed, she doesn't see another future for herself besides going full into this. So maybe there isn't as much control as we think, but I think that is why one of the reasons it's more disturbing to people as well. Yeah. Is that uh, it's Arya, is, is Arya's choosing to do it. Or at least we, we see it as such. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's a huge difference between having done having things done to you, yeah. which is in Theon's case. Of course, Theon did horrible things to potentially earn yes. his rough treatment. But it is an interesting comparison. It also speaks to something that George has pointed out a lot of times, which is that he is confused mm -hmm. by people's objection to sexual content. Mm -hmm in light of how little objection there is to the violence. Yeah. And he says, he's like, why are people objecting to all this yeah, sexual content when they don't really bat an eye at the violence? Like, maybe you think this, even if you think the sexual stuff is worse, yeah. at least, <laughs> you know, they're not like miles apart. That, yeah. At least they aren't for some people. And, and that's, that's a matter of respecting other people's perspectives, I think, yeah. to, to say that, well, maybe some people do think violence is a worse thing than, you know... Yeah, there's a lot of Child interesting uh, sex content. Like ways. This. This, this chapter is, is really interesting. It makes a lot of people think about uh, just, just the implications of this. Uh, yeah, yeah. some media attention. I would love to see some feminist articles about it. Uh, just, to, I, I, I'd love to see some different point of views. I definitely felt uncomfortable with it, and I, I, I just was left with the thought that I didn't think George needed to write it. Mm. I didn't think he needed to. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have mixed feelings. I I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what people think about it as pe more, more and more people read it. <laughs> but to continue on, uh, we were talking about her apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. uh, first apprenticeship, does, she, does that mean she's going to have another one? How many more? You know, uh, it also point. It also kind of clears up the 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 rumor or the notion that I think I've I've seen a lot of people talk about that she was on a mission trying to kill a specific person. Yeah. Uh, this does not appear to be the case. She mm -hmm. was in a, this was a learning experience for her, an apprenticeship, yeah. as we said. And she's been at this place for months. She doesn't have some sort of mark. She's not waiting for some someone to appear at one of these plays to kill. That is not. There's yeah. no evidence for that at all. In fact, there's evidence to the contrary. Yeah. So. A big question is that we'll address a bit later is, does, did Arya mess up this opportunity at all? Did okay. she ruin her apprenticeship? Did she get mm -hmm. in bad with the Faceless Men? We'll, we'll see. Now, what we learned next, though, is about the, the play that's being put on, right. which uh, I think you'll notice some similarities here uh, if you want to read it out loud. We've got the bloody hand offered two kings, the fat one and the boy. Isambara would play the fat one. It was not a large part, but he had a fine speech as he lay dying, and a splendid fight with a demonic boar before that. Fario Forel had written it, and he had the bloodiest quill of all bravos. Yeah. Fario Forel. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. So as you can see, <laughs> that's, that's the most glaring thing We're going to talk out. about Fario for first, uh, but you can see that the bloody hand, I, you, you can tell what that's about. Yeah, yeah it's, it's about it's pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> 
So Fario, for real, first question. We don't, we don't realize technically that it's about Tyrion at that point. Not yet. We do we, we, later. We do. It's certainly. about Robert and Joffrey. That, right, that, that is clear. The, 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 yes, the uh, boy king is Joffrey, the fat king killed by a boar. Like, that's but pretty we hear about Fario, the bloodiest quill in all of Bravos. Let's say, yeah. So let's yeah. not get too crazy with the notion of Fario Pharrell. No, we don't think yeah. this is somehow Serio Pharrell with a different name. Yeah. Um, Maybe very closely related. It's I, I it's think it's likely either, a relative. Yeah, either closely related or just related or. Serio Pharrell is like the John Smith. Serio, I, I think Serio is a little bit more uh, known than that, that he's just like his name, he's just, Pharrell's are a dime a dozen because he was the first sword and maybe it was just his uh, skill that did that, but I tend to think that Pharrell was a real house and that they were related and that they, just, Pharrell isn't just a thing. Yeah, so this guy could be an uncle, yeah. cousin, yeah. a son even maybe, but maybe probably... Probably not a son. But, but we hear about another another play that he's written. His first play, I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was. And his this first is his play, newest right. play. The blood, the bloody hand is his newest play, and the first play is called uh, Wrath of the Dragon Lords. And yes. it mentions Prince Garen, yes. uh, Prince Garen the Great, yeah. who was the the ruler of the Roinar before yeah. they he was were known as the Great, destroyed. Because yeah. <laughs> he tried to defend against the Valyrian expansion. Uh, he led men into battle to defend against them, but. A quarter of a million died, and he was defeated. Shortly after, that led to Nymeria, of course, going to Dorne. Yeah, Garen and was suspended in a golden cage uh, by the captured, uh, by the Valyrians and Volantines who captured him. And he apparently called down a curse, yeah, apparently. creating the Sorrows, which yeah. is that area that Tyrion was with Griff and that company when they passed yeah. the bridge twice with yeah. all the crazy mist and the stone men. Mm-hmm. That's the curse of Garen right there. It's funny, though, that we learn, a, we have a quote from the Wrath of the Dragon Lords, which says, It shall go ill for any man who fails me, which doesn't sound like the best thing to say to your men before yeah. a battle. That's negative and reinforcement. And it doesn't sound right like a re- <laughs> Why would you call that guy the Grey? It sounds horrible. On the other hand, as we see in this play, it's embellished. Yeah. And it's a play written to <laughs> entertain audiences. There's no reason whatsoever to think that this yeah, he said Garen exactly the Great that. is being yeah. represented accurately. So. Yes. <laughs> but what we, that is what we do know um, from other things is that he yeah, he defended against the Valyrians. Uh, now, uh, with, with Fario and Sirio, is the pen yeah. mightier than the sword? <laughs> hmm. yeah, we have the bloodiest yes. quill and yeah. the bloodiest sword, perhaps. Yeah, that's true. That's hilarious. Is that a joke, George? Or are you? Uh... Yeah, I wonder if, if that was on purpose. He's like, hmm, pen mud. So he's like, he'll be an F. He was like, Pario? Pario. Pario. <laughs> now, this brings us to the attendees of the Bloody yeah. Hand, the play, which one of whom is the third sword of Bravo. So mm-hmm. apparently, the first sword is not. Uh, yeah. Alone in his ranking, he's just the top guy. There's a second sword. What if they all move up one? Yeah, <laughs> did, did when when Sirio left, was this guy the fourth sword before? And now he's the third. And, you know. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then someone else just goes up ahead. Yeah, how many? How far down does it yeah, go? I'm not is it a hundred? Sure. The hundredth sword. <laughs> it's like I'm yeah. in the top one hundred. I'm the one hundredth sword. Yeah. <laughs> probably not. It's probably a small number, but uh, this guy, even this third sword, is a pretty important guy. They notice him. They they think, oh, it's good that this guy's in attendance. It's good <laughs> for the uh, the gate that this guy's in yeah. uh, in the crowd. Gives them a little more um, clout, yeah. I suppose. So as she's arriving there, um, she has a lot of people ask her for help with things. Yeah, there, as soon as she actors, walks in, yeah. as soon as Mercy arrives backstage, she gets requests from every actor to help her. They're all yeah. saying, hey, help me with this, help me with this. This is broken. This is a... So that tells us right away. Yeah. 
that she's important and that she's yeah. and that she's been there a little while. They, they've all come while. become accustomed I to her. I wonder whether Arya's been there or potentially she took Mercy's place. That's which a would, yeah, which would be possible if we are thinking that Azenbaro is you know more tied to the Faceless Men. Not that he, is, I mean, he is one or anything like that, but that he is serving, that he knows what's happening. Yeah, potentially that would be where that is possible. But I tend to think that Mercy was just a face that they had. That worked, um, and that Arya has Arya has been there, but it is possible that she took her place. I suppose. Yeah, it's a small, it's an outside shot. Yeah. We don't see a reason why they would need to kill this girl to take her place when they apparently already have a relationship yeah. with this uh, this play owner and with yeah. this playhouse. Uh, much like they apparently have a relationship again with Brusco. Mm-hmm. And I kind of imagine it goes a little something like this. The faceless men show up and say, hey, we need your help. And, they're, and, and of course, okay, I'll, I'll help. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll help yeah. you definitely. Notice what happened when Arya showed the coin on yeah. the ship to all those bravosi. They immediately changed their tune. They went from from saying, we don't want anything to do with mm-hmm. you. Get out of here, little girl, to, oh, of course, you shall have a cabin. You shall have my best cabin. Yeah. So... The, the the faceless man <laughs> unsurprisingly carries some weight in Bravos. So when they ask for your help, I imagine people fall in line immediately. Huh? No one wants the faceless men on their bad side. Mm-hmm. So and it it could also there could also be some profit in it for them. The faceless men might you know pay them or something or get, offer some sort of service. Uh, in any case, it's good to have them as an ally. I would mm-hmm. think. So yeah, but we have one interesting. We said that uh, the, all, the actor asked her for help. Um, one thing that was noticed on the forum and in um, the thread for this that I know I would never have noticed. And I don't know if these would have, but I I wouldn't Probably. have. <laughs> uh, uh, the user Kien, I'm not sure how to say it. K I E N N um, pointed out that first she, she, she Dana asks her for help with sewing. Represents Sansa. Which is kind of funny because Arya's terrible at sewing as well. <laughs> yeah, it is true. <laughs> and then we have the stranger character comes and um, has her help with this bloody pla- this bloody paste he has. The strange paste. Yes. So that's Bran. Then we have um, Isenbaro needs help with his crown, his king. Yes, it was a horn, but it's a crown. Uh, so she's like a king. Rob. Then we have this one. I, this one is slightly more of a stretch for me, but a little. Uh, it's still there. Um, that Bob Ono uh, is child sized, like Rickon. <laughs> so that one's the most stretching, but it is interesting to me, and I did want to point it out that uh, that, that they're a reference. Like the bloody paste sewing and crown thing for me seems very clear. I actually thought the bloody paste was just give me the bloody paste, like get oh. me that damn paste. I think oh, that's yeah. what I don't think the well, pa- it's a strange I think paste. Well, in case he gets it was the paste to attach the horn back on. I thought. Yeah. But anyway, that's in any case, the 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 great reveal here is that each of these actors seems to have a parallel to Arya's family. Yes. Dana would be Sansa. Yeah. The stranger would be Bran. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Rob is yeah. the king, of course. Yeah. And Rickon would be the child-sized Bonobo. Yeah. Now, it's a, it is a bit of a stretch, yeah. but it's a pretty good it, yeah. it's it's a pretty good stretch, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's a pretty good stretch. It, it's certainly worth mentioning. Uh, I doubt there'll be anything more of it. Uh, just a funny little thing. And it's uh, very fitting because the subject of the play, once again, is Tyrion. But there's all these other characters that Arya should recognize. And none of this seems to... Yeah. Flicker in her mind as, oh, this is like my sister, or oh, this yeah. is what happened to my, yeah, my father. Like Joffrey. I, I hate Joffrey. This. None of yeah, this yeah. registers to her. Yeah. And so we so this is part of why we like this theory of, of the, the, the actors sort of representing her family, because it just hammers point hammers home the point that she's just 
not recognizing any of this. None of this triggers uh, a me- any of her memories mm-hmm. until she sees Raph the yeah, Sweetling a bit the later. S- then she snaps me. out of it. But, but we're not there yet. But so the play of the bloody hand. You hear the bloody hand, and maybe first off, you, you hear it's about Robert and the boar, and you think, bloody hand, Ned. A lot of people thought maybe it was Ned. We get a little bit further, and we see there's a dwarf, Bob and Oak. And he's the main character. And then we hear the main <laughs> character, and we hear his first, he has like the first lines. Yeah, the opening soliloquy. It beca- and it's, it's very Richard III, and it's very, it's, it's very clear at that point that this is about Tyrion. Um, so obviously, Bob Ono, we, we kept seeing it as, bo- uh, we, we kept seeing it as like the monkey. Yeah, Bonobo, Bobano. It's just to just, just switch but, the so end of the B. Bob, I kept seeing that when so I read, has, read the word. came up with Bob. Oh, no. <laughs> to remember it. So Bobano, I, I don't know how it's said. I'm just going to keep saying Bob Ono. To remember it for me, but a bonobo uh, is a small is a chimpanzee. Yeah. It's a relative of a chimpanzee. It's a small small animal uh, from the primate family, and it's known to be extremely sexual. It's the most sexual of mm-hmm. monkeys, which is a really clever little drop there by George, because George yeah. has also had Tyrion in the text referred to as a little monkey demon. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> a little, sure. having that monkey reference with the what if you were going to pick a monkey to represent Tyrion and his you know his whoring. That would be the one to pick. So that's uh, yeah. one of the many little meta layers. So let's go chapter. through how clear it is that that this is that Bobo No is playing Tyrion. If he wasn't clear to you already, first um, before before we have the play, um, we have a very odd comparison um, scene with Mercy Arya um, dealing with Bobo No's fake cock mirrors. Uh, Sansa's experience with Tyrion. When they were on their, on their wedding night. Yeah, basically she says, when you... it, this is a short quote from her, she says, even his manhood was ugly, thick and veined with a bulbous purple head. And then we have this quote. The bo- and Bobino's cock was indeed flopping out. It was made to flop out for the rape. What a hideous thing, Mercy thought as she knelt before the dwarf to fix him. The cock was a foot long and as thick as her arm, big enough to be seen from the highest balcony. The dyer had done a poor job with the leather, though. The thing was mottled pink and white with a bulbous head, the color of a plum. So you can see we're clearly meant to be thinking of Sansa here. I I, I, I don't know who couldn't. I, I mean, maybe if you just blocked out that memory of Tyrion's penis. <laughs> but I certainly, bulbous purple head, Tyrion. It was yeah. just clear to me instantly. Um, so we have that. But then we have one of his lines from the play. I think his first line is, uh, My noble sire he made of purest gold, and gold he made my siblings, boy and girl. But I am formed of darker stuff, of blood, of bones and blood and clay, twisted into this rude shape you see before you. So obviously, Jamie and Cersei are the brother and sister. Yeah. Uh, my noble and, sire made of purest yeah. gold. I mean, so obviously yeah, that Tywin. it's meant That's to be. Tywin. It's still it's a little it's politically incorrect to show this for the Westerosi, but they can get away with it because it's showing Tyrion in such a bad light. How right. could you not like it? It's still weird, I think. And he's a kinslayer and an exile yeah, and, so, and uh, uh, kingslayer and all these things. Mm-hmm. He's kind of forsaken his house, so I guess mm-hmm. they think that this is okay. And then he says. Uh, Great quote, also, much like Richard III. As I cannot be the hero, let me be the monster and lessen them in fear in place of love. And also, Mercy herself thinks, like, she mouths the lines along with them and thinks about how apt they are, which shows that Arya, too, is thinking of fear in place of love, that that is better. Uh, so pretty clear that it's Tyrion. Then we have this quote that Mercy says uh, 
to him, you'll have no nose until you get your hands off me. <laughs> and that's which when is she, just... That's when he's fondling her yeah, and, and just, talking to her about the, what's, yeah. what's coming up. And, and of course, <laughs> pulling your nose off, Tyrion not having a nose. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's no, just... That's clear. Just, that's just straight down the middle. One right we there. Have, then we have, um, later on, the guards say, so maybe he figures the last place his sister would ever look for him would be in some mummer show making fun of himself. Yes, that I'm, just makes it obviously <laughs> clear... Even the gods know this is Tyrion. This is who it's playing. If it isn't clear to you by now, that's obvious. But we yeah, we've seen we've seen Bobino before and referencing to Tyrion. Have we not? We have yeah. one. We have this reference to a brothel in Old Town. One man said that the imp was hiding in an Old Town brothel, pleasuring men with his mouth. It made for a droll picture, but Cersei did not believe it for an instant. The second claimed to have seen him at a mummer show in Bravos. Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> However, it wouldn't be this play, keep in mind, no, but it would I'm be not. but this Bobino is yeah. a regular actor. He mentions having been in other plays before. Because this bloody yeah. hand, this is an opening night for this yeah. play. So we know that it has been performed before. Remember the guy's painting the sign, mm-hmm. the bloody hand sign is being painted as Arya comes up. Mm-hmm. But yes. other plays have happened while Arya is there. Although this is her first stage appearance, mm-hmm. uh, or at least her first time having lines. Yes. She's made, I think we believe she's been in. I believe it says she's been an extra before. That's not a yeah. super important detail, though. Yes. So clearly, summarize: Bobino playing Tyrion. Uh, I don't think there was much argument there, but make it clear uh, all the things that show us. But who's Arya playing? Now, well, hang on just a second. But a little more on the Richard the oh, Third okay. connection. Yeah. Now, it's important here because. This is, it's a parallel to what happened in our real world with, with Richard III. Most of what we know about Richard III now, maybe not most of what we know, but most of what is commonly said about Richard III comes from Shakespeare's portrayal of him, not from the historians. Mm-hmm. So there's a distinct bent towards our attitude towards what Richard, the kind of person Richard III was. So people picture him now as this stooped man yeah. with a hunchback who was evil, who murdered his brothers. Which isn't necessarily reflective of reality. Without getting into that too much, the point is that Shakespeare created basically our picture of this character today. And Tyrion is very similar to him because he's a very similar person. He's a guy that is said to have wanted to rule, to take over the throne by murdering some of his own relatives, which is what Richard III is said to have done. And similarly, Richard III perhaps was a good a good ruler who got maligned for things that happened that weren't his fault, that were blamed on him. Very much like Tyrion. Tyrion was actually a very capable hand. We saw that. We saw mm-hmm. how well he defended yeah. the city. We saw all these great decisions he made. Yet in the end, he was blamed for pretty much everything. <laughs> so that parallel really hits home here. We have, so we, we want to say also that this is what's happening to Tyrion as well. We have these rumors spreading from across the sea, turning into this play about Tyrion. So Tyrion's mm-hmm. legend is growing, but it's very unreflective of who he really is. Mm-hmm. And once again, as we've talked about in many prior episodes, George loves to play with rumor and shows how rumors spread and change. Mm-hmm. It's like a big exposition of the telephone game. So by the time these rumors get to get to Bravos and this playwright who's already known to be bloody, which means he's probably going to embellish the violence, mm-hmm. add all those things together and you get a really sensationalized view of Tyrion. But it's what people are going to believe because people like to believe the sensational stuff. It sounds more interesting. It's more fun mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about, as I was leading us into, who was Arya playing? This yes, has been a big topic of debate. A huge and, topic of and debate. And I think the Some fact... Some people just instantly... Uh, Sansa. It seemed clear that it was Sansa. And then, to other people, it seemed clear, no, it was Shay. 
And then I, I, I went back and forth myself. I thought it was Sansa. I thought it was Shay. I thought it was Sansa. I thought it could be either. We're just not meant to know. Both but, points were so good yeah. that I think that it's neither. Or yeah. both. And both, rather. As well, 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 well let, let's, let's lay it out for you first before we say what we think it is. Uh, we'll start. Okay, the character was raped and murdered. Shay okay. was murdered, but that's not necessarily widely known. Yeah, Shay's murder was covered up by Cersei. But so, Shay's rape was not. She pointed it out in trial. And you know, she, she wasn't, claimed to be a maiden. She wasn't actually raped. Yeah, we she know claimed that. to be a maiden, specifically in court. But during Tyrion's trial, she did claim yeah. to be a maiden and that Tyrion raped her. Yes. So this so, is what, that's the truth that people believe, even yeah. though we know as readers that yeah. that's not what really happened. Yes. Sansa, on the other hand, uh, her whereabouts are currently unknown, but would they call marital rape rape? I don't. I don't think they would. Please, I'm still. Would she really call it rape? I, I. That that was the main thing that got me right there. But there's a little bit more. But, and perhaps that doesn't even. Yeah. Perhaps it doesn't even matter. But it, it's Tyrion didn't actually sleep with Mercy Sansa. Mercy wears like a, a, a brown shift. She doesn't appear to have a costume change. She doesn't talk about it. She doesn't talk about how she's wearing yeah, nice she's, gown. She's not dressed up like a high-born girl. She's not dressed girl. up. Yeah. Uh, there's a line where she says, "Please, my lord, I am still a maiden." Which, uh, my lord, not my lord. Remember the but, Theon and Roost conversations yes. where my lord is what peasants say and my lord is what but, highborns would say. Uh, that could be the writer. could be Faria not knowing uh, West Trusty Custom. Right, this it is could be, It could be Essos in general not knowing. It could be Mercy the character not knowing. Or it could be an indication that it is Shay or another or a lowborn girl. Right. The title Lord yeah. hardly exists, if at all, in mm-hmm. the, in on Essos. Yeah. So my lord, my lord, they may not know that distinction. Yeah. Um, but what we think is that it, it probably was simply an amalgamation of Sansa and Shay. The facts are clearly not right in the first place. It's a, just a bravosi play. So basically it's as good as just random rape victim with, they heard that he liked maidens. They heard, you know, that he murdered. And so they made a character and it's meant to, it's meant to... It's meant to make us think of Sansa, right. I think. It's not sure. supposed to be a complete retelling of the yeah. Sansa Tyrion story. That's not what this yeah. play is doing. The play is about Tyrion. It's a sensational play yeah. about this evil dwarf who does so these evil if, things. Even if we don't even think that the woman, the girl is Sansa, she's still Arya is still interacting with things very close to what Sansa went through. And it doesn't register. She doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't say, "Oh, hey, you know what? This yeah. is my sister." Yeah. And it's the same. It's kind of the same thing that Sansa's doing. Yeah. Sansa doesn't think of Arya, hardly, yeah. and Arya isn't thinking That's of Sansa. They both detached and dissociated from it. I did particular. I must say, I did really like the Sansa idea of her playing it at first when that first came out. Everyone thought it was that uh, because it's just so twisted that she'd be so detached just to play her own sister and not even be broken. But when she sees someone she wants to kill, she's broken. Now I thought that was dark, but as we said, we don't think that. Now partly there is one thing that our sense, uh, Arya rather does think about in reference to this ways back in a storm of swords she hears that sansa has married mm-hmm. Tyrion when she's at the yeah. end of the crossroads with sandor yes. but she totally rejects the idea she's like sansa, sansa would never do that yeah. she doesn't like she wouldn't marry a lannister she certainly wouldn't marry yeah. Tyrion. so has yeah. previously rejected this idea already however this play is still about a person she's yeah. well aware of, Tyrion. Yeah. And it, it's probably going to touch on... It probably touches Robert on Lynch. Ned quite yeah, possibly is in, is in this play as well, portrayed. And Cersei. I mean, and she certainly knows Cersei. Cersei's on her list. Yeah. And this doesn't, re- it it doesn't, doesn't register for her. She's still yeah. just Mercy. It's all... She's still just playing this role. Yeah. And the murder there, the, the playwright is said to be the bloodiest quill in all of Bravos. 
So, murders, are we really surprised that he would include murders, even if we don't have Tyrion murdering young women actually in the story? Yeah, uh, the embellishment fits yeah. perfectly here, and, and everything, it's a play. Of course, yeah. things are going to be sensationalized, and we specifically are told that this is a playwright who likes to make things bloody. Yeah. So, so we sadly, don't, it's not Sansa, but you can still, oh, sadly, it's, it's parts, not Sansa. It's a part it's Sansa. Part Sansa. Yeah, it's part Sansa. It's the maiden Sansa. that Tyrion defiled, so... Uh, we do have one one character. We do know who, for sure who they're playing. That Lady Stork, which I thought was a really interesting choice for, by George to name that character Lady Stork because it makes it even more confusing on your first read through. Because you're like, Lady Stork, is she playing? Did they just call Sansa Stark Lady Stork? <laughs> like, you're just confused. And I guess it's just a mean a mean thing they call her because she was tall. I, I'm not sure. But Ran has said, Elio, um, Ran, he's Ran on the forum, has said, confirmed that she plays Cersei. Yeah, Lady she Stork. She talks about her cla- cla- cloth of gold that she wears. And all the drinking. A lot yeah. of drinking wine, too. Lady Stork is not the character's name, remember. She, yeah. This is the it's actor's the name. name. So... Lady Stork is not her stage name. This is what she's referred to, whether that's her real name. That's yeah. what they're calling her backstage, yeah. <laughs> but she's not playing Lady Stork in the play. No. So let's not get that confused. So this no. is almost certainly Cersei that she's playing. But again, this this is a Cersei written by a Bravosi playwright who's dealing with rumors and, and wants to embellish. So mm-hmm. if, if this character picks up some traces of other characters, well, that's just because... This guy's never been to Westeros. He doesn't know what really happened. And he's trying to write something that's entertaining, not yeah. be accurate. It's funny, though. Um, we have a mention of how Lady Stark loves to drink her wine before the play. And it cracked <laughs> me up because Cersei drinks well, loves her wine, too. Yeah, before uh, and during and after yeah. plays and everything else. Yeah, she's a method actor, I think. <laughs> uh, but during the play, we also find out there's a very interesting guest. Now, this is a very, this is really hugely important. It speaks to a lot of things that are happening in King's Landing with, with regards to politics and the greater picture of the, the Game of Thrones itself, of the, the wars and the politics that are happening. The, the person in attendance is the Westerosi envoy. That's what they're naming him. And they're mm-hmm. acting as if he's even more important than the keyholders. They're sure. saying he's the first guy they mentioned. And they're apart from the keyholders and, or apart from the Westerosi envoy, there's also these keyholders and these other important people. He is Sir Harris Swift, mm-hmm. the master of coin. You'll remember him from. Mostly from the epilogue of A Dance with Dragons, where he's the guy whining about the financial problems mm-hmm. as the other counselors are telling him he needs to go overseas and extend their line of credit with Mir or Pentos. And if that fails, he needs to go to Bravos to mm-hmm. get more money. Now, that says a lot because, for one thing, remember what we said at the beginning of the episode is that there's a lot of evidence that a lot of time has passed. Well, if he's at Bravos, that means he's already been to Mir and Pentos and possibly to some of the other free mm-hmm. cities and has failed to got to, to secure a loan. Yeah. The other huge thing is that we know, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of the northerners, that the Iron Bank isn't supporting the throne at all. They've already there are they've already <laughs> ditched that Stannis, plan. They're yeah. backing Stannis now. <laughs> and no one knows that except for Stannis and some other people. So Hara Swift could be in big trouble. The Iron Bank is now an enemy. He's about to approach them and ask for money, and they are backing the other claimant. So, Mm -hmm. well, I don't know that he's going to be leaving Bravos. I I think it serves the faceless men, rather the the, the Iron Bank's interest, if they're supporting Stannis. They don't want the crown to know that they're helping Stannis. They're going to go after Stannis once they find out he has more support. Right now, they're just thinking, ah, Roose Bolton will take care of him, and if we need to do something about it, we'll we'll worry about it later. If they knew the Iron Bank was flooding his coffers with fresh gold and helping him hire mercenaries, 
that would that would change their tune. So I think that's a strategic importance for them to conceal this fact. So I don't think Harris Swift is leaving Bravos alive. Now hopefully he just keeps going to plays. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't seem like he's really doing his job. He's he's supposed to be securing gold, and he's got the like most famous courtesan uh, on his arm. Yeah. He's going to this play, and you know yeah. that kind of seems like appropriate for his personality. Remember, like I said, he was whining about having to do this job. He's, can may I must I remind the council that this financial trouble is not of my doing? Like, yeah, we know, but you're the master of coin. Do your job, man. You know, <laughs> this guy is real easy to dislike. So uh, if the if the Iron yeah, Man takes a, he's, care he's of, he's in that yellow with the big blue rooster. Yeah, he's got a talk. rooster sigil. Uh, yeah. So yeah. yeah, we also learned though from the guards, from his guards, that the queen will have his head if he doesn't come back with gold. Yeah, that's a huge one. That's yeah. This is also just this mention of the queen will have his head tells us paragraphs and pages and, and, and just this is a lot of information, just that. Because think about the implications here. Mm-hmm. Cersei is supposed to be out of power. How is it that she's telling people or how is it that these guards are afraid for Harry Swift's life if, she, mm-hmm. if he doesn't come back with gold? How is she in a position of authority to, to execute a small council member when mm-hmm. she just had her walk of shame Kevin was saying that he's going to return her to, to Casterly Rock. Well, a mm-hmm. couple of possibilities here. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, Cersei has regained power somehow. Now, mm-hmm. is it, that might seem like a stretch, but it's not, really. Kevin's dead, so he's not going to be able to go through with his plan to, to move her to Casterly Rock. Who's in charge, really? Well, re- technically, it's Tommen. He's the, even though he's a, a young boy, he's still the king. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're told how much he likes to sign whatever is put in front of him. So if Cersei puts a document in front of him that says, name me, your mother, back as the regent, not Kevin, mm-hmm. was, is he going to not sign it? No, of course. He's going to sign it. And it's going to be binding mm-hmm. on the rest of the counselors. Not only that, but Cersei has Sir Robert Strong, <laughs> who is loyal to her and Kyburn. So as far as going around court, maybe Cersei doesn't have as much political clout as she used to. Maybe a lot of people don't respect her. But right in the center of power, right there in King's Landing, right in the Red Keep, she has a lot of power. She has influence over her son. She has influence over Sir Robert Strong. She still has power. Mm-hmm. And Varys, what does Varys think about this? Yeah. I mean, it could be, Mar- on the other hand, the Marjorie could be the queen, but she, she wouldn't want to right. raise a head. It, we you're you're absolutely that. right. Marjorie wanna, could yeah. be the queen that he's referring to, but why would, yes. she's such, got such a she, gentle. She's not going to rule with fear. Yeah, that doesn't seem, unless getting the crown mm. made her, yeah. you know, change somehow. But yeah. the thing is, Cersei's trial was supposed to happen. Yeah. So and this, this Varys is going to want Cersei to lose it. Think. We think Varys wants Cersei to lose her trial because that means, if she loses her trial, that means Tommen is declared illegitimate. So either, she, so it seems like she won her trial. That seems like the most likely thing because the guardsmen would probably be talking about that or yeah. something. Like it would come up that Tommen isn't king yeah. anymore or that there's all sorts of turmoil. It, it seems like that would come up and it wouldn't just be the queen as if she's just in power and not, everything's normal. Mm-hmm. So there's something big going on there. It either it seems likely that Cersei won her trial. Yeah, it seems like it. It and seems like a pretty big hint to it. But it also um, there was also the argument that it could be a mistake of this being written so long ago. Yeah, there's always a, there's a small chance there's of that. There's a small chance of we, that. We 
don't like to play the yeah. maybe George screwed up card yeah, because we we trust him. It as is an more author. likely in one that something that was written in two thousand one. It is slightly more. We, we just will mention it. Yeah, it is a possibility that this chapter will have a little revision when it's finally posted out. Yeah. Uh, now the other thing that is really relevant here is that Varus might be okay. As much as he wants her to lose the trial to make Tom an illegitimate, it's also okay if she's just in charge again because she's screwing everything up. And that's exactly what Varus wants. He wants her to destabilize the realm so that Aegon can come in, save the day, etc. Mm-hmm. So if Cersei keeps tooling around and screwing <laughs> things up, well, that's great. Yeah. On the other hand, what's been happening with Aegon all this time? He supposedly has Storm's End by now. Yeah. And these guys are overseas. They're way over there. Yeah, that is very true. Months have passed. So something, the timeline, there needs to be, we're not saying something is screwed up here. We're just saying some questions need to be answered and we're very curious about what those answers are. The Zarya chapter is very late in the winds of winter. It's true. That would be that would be odd because it seems like it's her first chapter. Um, In fact, it might even be stated that it's her first chapter, but it might not be. Um, Well, it says you're going to Isabara as the last thing, and then like we just see her there, and it's meant to like be so shocking. And I feel like it wouldn't have the same effect on the reader if we had seen her there first. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so almost there can't be anything between that. So I do think. Yeah, I think it's her first chapter. It is possible that Arya just doesn't have a chapter like halfway through the book. Uh, we have all of this marine stuff to cover in the beginning, I suppose. I, yeah, uh, that could that could cover it. Um, I feel like there's so much Westerosi stuff to cover before we're at this date. That's uh, true. You know, one other implication before we get too far uh, past ourselves on this topic of the Iron Bank and Cersei is Kevin mentions in the epilogue of A Dance with Dragons that if if Harris Swift is unable to acquire new gold to fix their loan situation that Kevin was prepared to pay the Iron Bank with Lannister gold, with their personal house money, which they have plenty of. The crown, as you know, or may, may know, is already in debt to the Lannisters. Tywin had been lending money to the crown, uh, quite a bit of it, perhaps as much as three million dragons, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Now, Cersei's probably not going to do that. <laughs> Cersei's probably not going to pay the Iron Bank with Lannister gold, even though she's probably very capable of doing it we've already seen how contemptuous she is of the bankers so yeah. she would rather tell them they have to wait she doesn't realize the threat mm-hmm. kevin realized that threat so mm-hmm. cersei's probably that's which is probably part of why sir harry swift is under good such for pressure the lannister coffers then <laughs> yeah that's true good for the lannisters to keep holding on to their money <laughs> whatever that will mean later when someone else is in charge of the lannisters eventually maybe Tyrion or <laughs> i don't know yeah. But uh, the political implications are huge there. Cersei is just, not only is she screwing things up, she's making new enemies. And really, with the Iron Bank, it's just, everything we know about the Iron Bank is that is just the, one of the worst enemies to have. Mm-hmm. So, but let's move on. Mm-hmm. Speaking, by the way, of the Iron Bank and Stannis. No, Justin oh, yeah. Massey We're yet. not ready to move on. <laughs> yeah. Justin Massey, Justin that's Massey, a huge one. That is huge. A lot of people theorized and thought that Arya was going to see Justin Massey, and that was going to get her to Westeros, it was going to be a whole thing, and... Not happening. Maybe she'll still see Justin Massey. I hope so. We should probably remind people who Justin Massey is, oh, just in case. Justin yeah. Massey is the knight that Stannis sends overseas with the Iron Bank's money to recruit re- mercenaries to, to help Stannis' cause. Uh-huh. So Justin Massey is in Bravos, And a lot of people, including us, at least partially, think that Justin Massey is possibly the vehicle for which Arya will return to Westeros. Mm-hmm. She'll go back with him. She'll somehow get into his company or slip aboard his one of his oh. ships he's bringing mercenaries over 
It's just a guess because yeah. we know he's likely to come back and she's likely to come back and maybe they'll come back together. Yeah. But in any come case, back with Harry Swift. What would Another be great is if Harry Swift and Justin Massey show up at the Iron Bank at the same time. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be. But uh, so far, no sign of Justin Massey. So, mm-hmm. but but it seems like he's been in Bravos for a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. So as you said, uh, Swift is spending time with the Black Pearl, um, the Brown Pearl, Pearl. The Brown Pearl, as uh, as it were. Yeah. Um, some people might have had the question. Um, it talks about how um, Belagera, Atheris, um, however you say that, however you say that, uh, had children with um, a Targaryen king. Egg on the it's fourth. Egg on the, it's egg on the fourth. It's confirmed. Um, people had a few questions about that. Uh, she was a pirate queen. He was. Uh, he obviously had a lot of bastards and generally did that. Uh, so she was one of his mistresses at one point, and her descendants by him are. Now the courtesans and bravos known as the Black Pearl. Yeah, so, so like her great great yeah. great granddaughters yeah, are the current like the Black yeah. Pearl. So the Black Pearls. This is a kind of a almost a hereditary courtesan title, and it actually they have Targaryen blood. Yeah, so that's they're, pretty bla- cool. they're like Blackfires now. <laughs> yeah, Black they're Pearl, black, Blackfire. Black, they're kind of yeah, yeah. They're the they're yeah. the uh, the uh, sex trade uh, Blackfire wing, I suppose. And then we have um, an interesting uh, quote from Arya Mercy, where she says, "I would like to see a dragon." Which, for anyone who has long thought that Arya would see a dragon and would see Daenerys or would otherwise interact with them, whether killing someone or what, uh, that certainly is more fuel for that fire. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's all there to say there. Then we have uh, the very funny Sigil. Yeah, we have this uh, character saying the word Sigil because she doesn't know what a sigil is. Yeah, she's like, Mercy, don't you know anything? It's a Sigil. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. She knows, she knows Sigils better than you think. <laughs> but then we learn that Chywin. Went to went to lease. Yeah, Arya uh, overhears the Harris Swiss guardsman talking about uh, Tywin having gone to Lice before, or Lease, however you say it. Mm-hmm. And Lease is known for its pleasure houses. Now, why yeah. would Tywin go to uh, a place known for its pleasure houses? Well, no. well, we already saw that Tywin was a hypocrite about I... going to horrors with regards to Tyrion. He had yeah. Shay in his bed and... He and I may think the have people been. who wondered if he was a hypocrite or what was happening there, I think that this could be a drop to make it more clear that he was a hypocrite, mm-hmm. is what I think. Um, some people had some interesting thoughts. Um, I think we had it first mentioned to us from Azad, right? It could have been Azad, um, yeah. I think he first mentioned well it. As well the, as, the, uh, well, the theory has been around for a while, but he, he's the that, first that one that we talked to yeah. that connected it to, to this for, for this chapter. And the notion is, remember, Tyrion used secret tunnels to go to Shatayas while he was mm-hmm. hand. Well, he's told that some hand had these cha- these tunnels built. Mm-hmm. That hand could have been Tywin. Tywin was hand for a long time. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's very possible. It's possible. It's a nod. I think this is. A, I think George is giving a nod to that uh, that notion with this uh, yeah. with that mention by uh, Harris's guards there. Oh, this is. So we also have uh, the notion of who these guards are, which yeah. is really important now. One of them is, of course, turns out to be Raph the Sweetling. This isn't revealed right away. Yeah. It's He's pointed out as the handsome one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe if you're like me, you see the handsome guard and the way he's talking, and you're like, a guard known to be handsome, that immediately made me think of Raph because mm-hmm. that's how he's described. He's That's why he's called the Sweetling, because mm-hmm. he's a pretty boy. <laughs> uh-huh. So Raph was last seen escorting two Tully officers uh, to Maidenpool following the surrender of Riveron. 
now Jamie ordered Raff and his men, some of the mountain's leftover men, to perform this mission. He specifically ordered to make sure that they got there. He didn't want those guys to be hurt in any mm-hmm. way. They were taking the black, so yeah. you know they were basically prisoners and they're done with. So Raff was with some of his men, and Kevin suggested... In fact, it was Kevin who suggested to Horace Swift that he hire these men to take them into his service because they, they weren't working for Gregor anymore. So it's not random that they just showed up in Bravos with him. They had It's been previously stated that, that they were going to be hired by him. Mm-hmm. So this is where we get to the darkest part of the yes. chapter, which is already quite dark. Now we yeah. see some of these thoughts and, and actions actually play out. Mm-hmm. Some of these things that look like they're heading a certain way, it actually kind of resolves into yeah, a sort of a, see a mini climax. to see Arya touching the penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really, uh, really. This is where, yeah, this is also part of the most controversial uh, yeah. aspect of the chapter. We have Arya is basically a, a, a 11 or 12 year old femme fatale here, using yeah. sex as a weapon to accomplish murder. And it seems like this may have been her first kiss. Yeah, it that's seems like it so might have been sad. Her first kiss, kiss yeah. may have been this fake kiss with Raph, who she's just setting Too up to sh- kill him. Yeah, that is just dark, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Wow, it's, it is. Uh, I guess no darker than the fact that her, her, she had a, she performed the kiss of death before she had her first kiss. Period. Yeah, that's you know? true. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, the kiss is really grossly described. Uh, I. Didn't like the kiss. But she's also, and she's also playing the scene out like some sort of serial killer. She's getting him to replay the thing he did that made her want to hate, that made him hate her, made her hate him so much. She gets him to replay the scene with Lami. And it's not the first time she's done it. Okay, yeah. remember that Lami gets hurt in the in the leg and he can't walk. And he tells Raph, who we didn't know was Raph at the time, we just met him. She te- he tells him, you'll, you'll need to carry me. And then and Raph says, oh, I will, will I? And he stabs him in the throat. And she says, and, and when she Arya repeats that, he, he goes, you'll need to carry me. And Arya's reply is, think so. And Raph recognizes that line. His head snaps up, and yeah. that's when Arya stabs her through the throat. And she, she, she hurts him in the leg, too, to get him to, right. First get him she, to say that, even. She gets him, and she says, you know your line, just like I know mine. And She uh, cuts his, uh, I forget the name, the, not the... Femoral. Femoral artery, which is pretty much instant death in medieval society. So... Mm-hmm. She snuck in close, was pretending to kind of feel him up a little, and then just sliced him. Yeah. And she did it so smoothly that he hardly, he noticed, but She's it like, wasn't Wee. like massive pain. He just thought, he was like, be careful down there, you know? Yeah. And, but this is, what's funny is this is not the first time she at, sort of acted out the death scene uh, while she's murdering somebody. Remember when she kills the tickler in the the into the crossroads, she does the same thing. When she's stabbing him from behind, she's make, she's saying his line. She's saying, "Where's Lord Beric? Are there is there gold in the village? Is there yeah. gems?" She's just replaying this vicious scene that happened that she's seen that's burned in her memory. She's remembering all this torture, mm-hmm. and she's inflicting what they did to others on them, and she she's so sinister about it. Almost she's she's, she's she, the, the way yeah. it's worded is, see, he knows his lines too. Yep. As soon as he says the 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 things about asking her to carry him, mm-hmm. and she just this is of course the moment where the dialogue refers to her as Arya again. She's actually Arya. Yeah. All this time, 
she's been mercy. None of these things. Although she has referred to mercy kind of as mercy, right. she showed that she was still detached from mercy, but not fully. But Arya. she wasn't Arya, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the fact that the murder that that killing him is what brings Arya back is is a. Uh, Oh, dark. It's really dark. She doesn't respond to Sansa or Cersei or Tyrion. None of these things no. remind her of who she was. It's only the chance to get revenge. The mm -hmm. chance that, the, which is, you know, on one hand, that's really dark. But on the other hand, of course she's going to remember that above all other so things. Guess, it's it's a traumatic memory. So I guess she, one of the questions is, uh, will Arya, is Arya going to continue using this method of tricking men into thinking she's going to sleep with them or do something with them? Uh to kill them? I'm guessing, or yes. Is, or is, is it possible also that Mercy was maybe a little bit uh, more more sexually minded, more mature that way, and that there is an influence of her face on on Arya has made her think of that. Right, that's an important and subject another to question, touch on. That, yeah, and the other question is, how do, do faceless men retain any of the faces that they use after the fact? And right. so maybe that, like, if, if the, she retains it after the fact, it doesn't matter. Maybe she will keep doing this. Um, if she doesn't, and it was a lot of mercy causing her to think of this, potentially we won't see it again. Um, I think, I, I don't think it was mercy, though. I do think mercy was a slight influence on her. Um, and my, my thought that, that the faces are an influence on who's wearing them is echoed by Elio on the forum. He said he himself thinks that. It's just a theory. Um, it makes a lot of sense. And there's, there's, sense. A lot, there's a lot of evidence for it, too, because Arya was remembering things. That when she wore her first face in, in The Dance with Dragons, the face of the girl who had been abused, mm -hmm. she was having memories of that girl. She was feeling the things that girl felt. And the kindly man was like, calm, be calm. You're just, these are memories. These are not your memories. Yeah. This is just how this works. You're wearing this face of this person, and it contains... Some of her personality. We don't exactly know how all this works, but we know at least this much. And so Arya's been Mercy for a while. Yeah, so. and, and she's remembering little bits and pieces of her. And she's remembering, she's making friends. And yeah. this might not be what faceless men are supposed to do. Yeah. This might be a way of George reminding us that Arya still has some semblance of herself, it apart be, from what's happening could, in her dreams. It could potentially be that the kindly man sent her to do this play. He knew that they were going to do this play, potentially. And he sent her to do it to break her. It's possible. It, it, it's funny, it didn't break her, actually. The whole play didn't. It wasn't until she saw Raph that Which it didn't. the kind of man couldn't have known. That's, Which, yeah. That's getting a little too conspiratorial and weird. I know, that, that would be a little crazy. No, he could not have known that. Um, will the kindly man know that she killed Raph? Clearly, she seems to think that she's going and she's leaving them. So she, she knows she can't stay there any longer. Yeah, she knows that she's caused problems. So I think she's... I, I, if, whether she tells the kindly man what she did or not, I think she could easily get away with it if she said, he tried to rape me, you know? Or she said, well, should I have should I have just let him rape me? Um, there are lies that she could use. I don't know that he would believe her. I don't know if this means... If this is the end for her. I don't think it's the end for her um, in the faceless man. I think they'll forgive her. But I think that she might... She might have to do some sort of penance or it might be a punishment for her. I don't think that they're just going to be like, you're out and now we're going to come kill you. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. think she's, I don't know that she's ready to leave Bravos yet, but this could be, this could be that. This could be, this, this is, could be the end of her training, a premature end to her training. Um, now. I just can't see it. It's just so weird. I can't see it going well for her. She just ends it with getting away with the faceless men being what they are. Yeah, I, I don't, I, and I don't know. They don't want her doing this. They don't want her just killing people she wants. Yeah. Revenge is not supposed to be the motive. Yeah. That's specifically not what they do. 
they give the gift of mercy to those who deserve it. Mm -hmm. And you're not supposed to kill people you know. We're, yeah. One of the scenes in A Dance with Dragons, again, is Arya at table where a bunch of faceless men are sitting around a table and they're all saying, they're, the scene goes like this. There's a man that says, I don't, I, I know this person. And the next guy says, I know this person. The third guy says, I do not know this person. That person goes off and does the killing. That's how they work. Mm -hmm. Faceless men aren't allowed to kill people they know. Remember on the ship that Arya's on. Everyone wanted to make sure Arya knew their name. They're like, remember my name. Um, this is my name. Okay, oh, say it yeah. back to me. Learn um, who I am. Wow. <laughs> I never got that. That they were that they would have been saying that to her because they're like, she's become a faceless man. She won't be able to kill me. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's, that's the... hilarious. Wow, I actually never caught that. So they're just trying. They just want everyone wants to. This is the thing. The, the Bravosi apparently are very aware of that's how it works. The faceless men. It's funny how a lot of these aspects of the faceless men are not sneaky. Like they know. Like the cult, the whole all of Bravos is aware of these things. Yeah. So. Uh, so that's that's really uh, that's that's a really big clue there. So there, so Arya is perhaps she's done something that is irreparable in terms of her relationships with her uh, you know trainers. Uh, she certainly caused harm to one of their, shall we say, assets, which is Eisenbaro. Eisenbaro is apparently the guy they send their people to to learn about mummery, which mm -hmm. is obviously a really valuable part of being a dis person in disguise. Uh, it, it, now, maybe we should mention briefly the connection to Varus there. Varus, of course, is yeah. similar. He trained in mummery. I don't think that Varus has had faceless man training. No. But certainly the whole notion of the shaved head and the wigs and everything, that certainly yeah. at least makes us think of Varus. Yeah. But no, I don't think, I don't think it's Varus. Varus didn't even kill Kevin himself. He had the little <laughs> birds do it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. but that's, that's also a bit of a segue. Arya herself is what she's done is she's caused this guard to disappear. Raph has just vanished in the middle of the play. And the other guard saw him go off with her. They know who this person was. They can identify Mercy. Basically, yeah. Mercy's face cannot be seen around the play. No. Now, Arya does go back to finish her play. She does go yeah. back to do her rape scene. <laughs> but she knows that no one's going to realize Raph is missing until a little while later. They're going to go, oh, gosh, where's Raph? And then, like, later, eventually they'll be like, where's Raph? It's been a long... At first, it'll just be a little strange. But as the, maybe as a few days pass, they'll be like, okay, this guy's been killed or something. And that's when questions will start to get asked. They'll come back to Mercy, but she'll be long gone by then. But the playwright will still... Not the playwright, but the but Eisenbarra <laughs> will still perhaps catch some flack because... That was one of his people. Yeah. And the questions will be, where, what happened with this girl? Where did she, why did they go off together? Where is she? What, you know, and yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, we don't know what's going to happen with regard to that, but something's going to happen. There's going to be a little bit of fallout, maybe a lot of fallout. Mm -hmm. And uh, it could come down hard on Eisenbaro. And considering how valuable he apparently is to the, to the house of black and white, that might be, Arya might be up for some punishment there. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as far of as far as the personality remembrance, I wanted to talk. We wanted to talk a little bit more about that, about mm -hmm. lingering personality effects. Um, the faceless men are supposed to be detached from these things. Now, let's extend that notion to Jaken, the only other faceless man we really know a lot about. Uh, I guess we could say we know a good thing, a few things about the waif and the kindly man, but we don't even really know their names. I mean, <laughs> not that Jaken's his real name. So what about what about someone like Jaken? Has Jaken acquired personality traits that he's picked up over the way? Is he kind of a 
Is he schizophrenic because he's had so many mm-hmm. personalities? Or while he had that face, did he simply was was he simply conflicted with that face? Is he um, more trained because he's better trained and he's you know he's an adult he's been doing this longer perhaps it just rolls off of him he doesn't remember yeah. these things it just you know maybe Arya is the exception maybe she is holding on to her humanity as dark as this is I think I lean towards um, they they don't retain anything from the faces other than an act like other than how you would retain from having a best friend that you're with all the time hmm. and you, you they influence you in some little ways I feel like there would be some some things that would stick with you. In the future, but I don't think, like, in the sense, I, I think that once the face is removed, they actually don't have anything, any personality traits lingering there. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm in a magical way, I think it's just in a, if you're going to spend a lot of time with, like, a girl who's maybe more sexually uh, active than you are, uh, and knows these things about giving men blowjobs, that that, that that knowledge will probably stick with you. But I don't think it's a magical thing that it would stick with her. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, because like any, it's a personality thing. You, and you then go that leads to that, that that makes it more clear that like Jake and Hagar, for instance, and, and other you know full faceless men could just let it roll off of them and it wouldn't stick with them. And so when they took a later when when they took a a face, they probably wouldn't absorb anything from it after you know if they're good at just ignoring it. Right. But yeah, but so. yeah, it's something that might come with training, or it's something that just might it might be difficult for her because she's so young. Yeah. Um, but she's already shown a pretty good ability to be detached about things. She yeah. even even with the whole blowjob thing, she's yeah. she doesn't she's not grossed out by it. She just thinks that's not for me. <laughs> she thinks it's not for me. It's not a reputation I want. She's yeah. not. She doesn't think. Oh, I really can't stand the thought of doing that. She she considers it as. On its merits alone, like, will this be yeah. a good move for me? It doesn't matter to her how gross it's going to be or whether the experience will trouble her at all. This is the same girl that ate the worm out of the skull. <laughs> I mean, she just, it takes a lot to rattle this girl. <laughs> so she just thinks of it as, well, will this give me an advantage or not? And that's as simple as that. It's very clinical. It's very detached. Uh, so speaking to the point we had before about will she use this as a weapon, this, this whole sexual thing as a weapon in the future, I think yes. It doesn't seem to bother her. And she saw immediately how effective it was. It was like, she's got to be thinking, wow, that was easy. <laughs> like, that guy yeah. was, it's like, I just acted like I wanted to sleep with him, and he was like, I did whatever I wanted. He was totally willing to go off with me in this corner, this dark uh-huh. corner, and, you know, like, a, he wasn't expecting anything. And she knows that she's just a, a small girl and that people aren't going to look at her as a threat. She's well aware of that. So, mm-hmm. I think she just discovered a new technique that's, that's yeah, I do think it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll just have to see who, um, who she uses that technique on. A lot of mm-hmm. possibilities. Uh, maybe some of her other targets, some of the other people on her list are uh, quite, quite possible. <laughs> I'm going to work on Cersei. <laughs> yeah, it won't work on Cersei, that's true. Uh, the list is getting kind of short. That's one thing we didn't really take a look at for this. Uh, yeah, we should, maybe should have looked at for this episode. Like, how many people are left on the list? Uh, Cersei? I can't even think about Dunstan. I'm Dunstan. not sure. Um, anyways, uh, we should continue on. Oh, cats meowing. <laughs> <laughs> now, how does Arya, how is this going to play out in the TV show? Yeah, if they get to that point, which we certainly hope that things, things no, don't go south, we might just end up with spoilers, spoilers, The best, spoilers. The best uh, comparison I think we can make is how they handled Sansa's wedding. And, and the non-consummation there. They didn't actually have Tyrion. Well, I was thinking about the out. fact that she's playing a, has a different face. I was thinking about that. We have Jake and Hagar actually changes to a different person. If they get to this point in the show, True. will they cast a different actress for Maisie while she plays Cat and while she plays 
uh, you know, little blind girl for a while, and when she plays uh, Mercy, or will they, just, uh, no one knows her, so it's fine for her to have the same face, or will she be very different? I don't know. I am I hope that they get to this point and that they actually are able to cover this. Um, I definitely am not as positive that they will anymore. I think um, they'll definitely cut back on some of the child sex content yeah, one way or another. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true, for sure. But I, mainly, I'm just curious. It'd be so cool to have... Are you played by some other actress for us for a few uh, episodes? Yeah, would be, be or, uh, one yeah. episode of what this would be. Uh, it would be pretty neat. To and there's me. The, the, uh, there's the logistics of Macy's real life age. Like how old yeah. will she be when this scene actually happens? Yeah, it's not too much of a concern. She has she's not growing more. She's like 17. And she's already no. Like, I mean her actual age. Like how that matters as far as what she's allowed, legally allowed oh, to do. Oh, that's true. It has to do with um, the age of the character they're portraying. Specifically, they aren't allowed to portray um, sexual content under X age. Even if the mm. character, even if the actress is eighteen, okay. they can't show it for like a fifteen-year-old. Okay, so this so, so Arya's, Arya's character is clearly under eighteen. Yeah, so, so I, they, I, they, and I'm not sure. Exact, I'm not sure on the exact ages, but I generally don't think that Arya's character will have this sexual content. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty interested in what will happen there. I've heard some things that, that some people are saying that the first episode of season four apparently kind of has a very a scene very similar to this chapter hmm. that some people said uh, that have to a death a, a kill that Arya has. Um, we'll see. We haven't seen the first episode yet. I doubt you have, um, <laughs> but it could be that we're already starting to get spoilers, and it could be that George released this chapter because it was already like kind of given away in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I can tell, it's something to do with, like, Arya kills someone probably in a similar way to she kills Raph in that it's, like, ritualistic, is my guess. Well, I thought we did see the spoiler already. Remember, remember, this is, she kills the uh, the man, the, the archer, with Sandor, and they show that scene where he says, what's what's the afterlife like? Mm-hmm. And she, she says, there's no nothing. It's just nothing. There's no... Oh, that's, oh, that, oh, that's a different... Th- I, I was talking about how she, uh, she, um... Apparently, she there's a killing scene very similar to in the chapter, is what I'm saying. Oh, in this chapter. In this chapter, that's oh. what some some people are saying that perhaps George released this chapter because of that. Hmm. This chapter in particular, um, and we won't know until we see it. Maybe people are blowing it out of proportion that they're similar. It's just that Arya killed someone, and Arya killed someone. But it could be that Arya actually does a very similar like throat kill. Interesting. I'm not sure. We'll see, and maybe I, I'm not sure. It was definitely mentioned on the forum from people who had seen the the first episode, so I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but I think that's about it. Just we just had that little bit of. Just, I wonder what'll happen on the show, but uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, if you have, I'm sure there'll be questions, comments, things we didn't miss. We got this out within a day, so there probably are things that we missed. There'll probably be some, Hopefully some there bigger pictures. There's missed. probably some big picture things we missed. I think yeah. we did a good job on the details, but it's yeah. and we did a lot the of the big line picture of this stuff, episode, but we'll see. Dark, twisted, meta. <laughs> very, very meta. It's it's George writing a play about uh, George writing a play that's being performed about a character <laughs> in his, his own books and and he's and it's a play uh, written by someone who's known as the bloodiest quill in all of Westeros and he's writing a very bloody and sexual and controversial chapter when it's a controversial play perhaps bloody play it's just very meta and I yeah I look forward to 
the next to, chapter. To the, <laughs> to the next chapter. And uh, remember, as we said at the beginning, with four episode, with four chapters released already, or five chapters released already, and there was only four released for dance. Yeah. Cross your fingers, folks. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe this means is the Winds of Winter is going to come out sooner than we think. That's, come on. I think expecting it this year is a bit much. Yeah. But, I, I, but. Ah, you know, it's not I impossible. live in hope he's going to pull mm-hmm. the Beyonce and just drop it on us. No <laughs> Without announcing it, just boom. Midnight, it's just out. It's done. We'll and, just... Then, and then two days later, the Dream of Spring will be, spring will be out. <laughs> yeah, he wrote them both. Yeah. yeah. That, that's what I think <laughs> Now that's happen. a dream. <laughs> All right. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We're History of uh, Westeros podcast. I'm Aziz. And I'm Ashea. Check us out at www.historyofwesteros.com. You can leave comments there on any of our episodes. Also, we're at historyofwesteros.tumblr.com. As well as Facebook, facebook.com slash Westeros History, or searchable at History of Westeros. Also on Twitter at at Westeros History. And you can email us if you just want to email us. Uh, that's <laughs> westeroshistory at gmail.com. I think that covers all of our social media outlets. Also, you can leave a donation for us at, at our website if you feel like it's worth it. And obviously check out our other episodes while you're at it.